I'm glad we have a guest on the fourth mic tonight. We have a guest, we have a friend. Executive producer Salem has uh, decided to join us. Yay! He's not going to say much. He, do, he doesn't say much. No. <laughs> if you hear him hit the mic, that's what it was. It wasn't me. Well, it might be, but... <laughs> Guys, we have a special entry into our Summer of Slaughter 2. It is. Does it check all the boxes? It All but and one. So. All but one. Oh, There's no yeah. cryptid involved. And he's not a serial killer. That we know of. But he was a mass murderer. That's true. So it's the only one in the in the list this year that's not a official serial killer. I can never look that. Yeah. A treat. It's a it's a good one. It, it's, it's a, a good one. It's an oldie but a goodie. It is an oldie. It's it's what anniversary? A hundred and tenth. Holy shit. And it's unsolved. There you go. And Zach Bagans has been there. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> how, how far into the episode did we actually get him? A minute and six seconds before the old ZB name drop. Salem's out. He disapproves. He's like that fucking... Be he looks careful. like an affliction store just vomited on him. I don't care. I love him. Does she shop at Buckle? I do not shop at Buckle. No, he. Oh, yes. Ab- probably. He is like a he is trying to get No, nah, he he goes to Affliction Direct. I <laughs> you used to have Affliction jeans. I had one pair of Affliction jeans. I feel like you had a shirt. Too. I never jumped on that train. Mm. But I jumped on I never train. did the Ed Hardy. That was never I my had style. Some Ed Hardy stuff. I had Ed Hardy. Mm. I had some Ed Hardy stuff. I wasn't cool enough. By the time I was like, I'm "Well, maybe I'll give this." Yeah. That was exactly what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> I was like, right when I was going to jump on the Ed Hardy train, everything went rhinestone, and I was like, and I'm out. Mine was a rhinestone tiger, I think. I think mine was a mermaid or something along those lines. So they're a tiger or a cheetah, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I went divorced dad, MMA fighter, chic, with uh, affliction <laughs> with, with my affliction jeans. <laughs> Listen to butt rock from the, the 90s. Don't you get... On that. But Rock is so good from the 90s. Gonna bless him. Three days grace. <gasps> you just fucking slight me? I'm gonna have my own goddamn axe murder in here if you don't stop this. Oh, no. On that note, I'm out. <laughs> I need to have plausible deniability. All right. Well, without further ado, Sam, let's talk about the Velisca axe murders. Perfect. In Montgomery County, Iowa, lies a little 1,100-person town, as of 2019, called Villisca. But back in the late 1890s and early 1900s, it was a thriving little town that had 2,500 people living within its limits. It was a hub for developing businesses, and it was attractive to local tycoons who were eager to capitalize on the area's growth. Villisca was a relatively quiet town, only interrupted by the trains that would pass through. There was also a National Guard armory funded solely by the residents of Villisca, which is the first of its kind in the U.S. But no matter how much charm Villisca has been able to keep over the years, it will always be tainted by the eight murders that happened on June 10, 1912. They continue to haunt the small town, The whole Moore family, plus two kids that were spending the night there, were brutally murdered, and the killer was never caught. And I'm sure that has to do with lack of DNA evidence and 
not the best police work. Well, yeah. They spit in their hands while they picked up the bodies. Perhaps. <laughs> well, this I is going to be. say something totally outlandish to gross you out. That was just a. That's true. Well, was... I'm not going to take it's away the conch shell from her yet. <laughs> I'm going to find us a conch shell, and we're gonna, I'm going to put it in the middle of the table. Yeah. Don't do Ooh, that. We should have a skull. Yes. Conch skull. Yes. No. Whoever has put the his skull. mouth hole up to your ear, and you can hear the screams of the deceased. <laughs> the screams of the souls. I the souls I've don't snatched. don't you dare say that's that. how I, I keep my hair get, so red. Yeah. Whoever has the skull gets to talk. <laughs> that, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> All three of us buy a skull so that we all have one. Yeah. <laughs> Defeats the purpose. Josiah Moore was the head of the Moore household. He was a successful businessman. He was described as excelling in everything he touched. By the time he reached his 30s, he had quite the fortune. He went on to marry his wife, Sarah, and have four kids, Herman, Mary, Boyd, and Paul. Who names their child Herman. Josiah uh, and Sarah. A fan of the Munsters, duh. I know, but I don't think the Munsters were around Any Anytime other than the Munsters is not appropriate. Facts. Pee Wee Herman? That's at the end. It doesn't count. Yeah, that's his last name. We can't help that. Okay, then. I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode if you didn't. The Moors were well liked in the community and had a reputation for being generous and kind. They went to church and had strong contacts and great relationships in the town. But you can't be wealthy and not have enemies. And Josiah had enemies in both his personal and professional lives. The morning of June 9th, the day before the murders, Josiah and Sarah were getting their kids ready for the day they had planned. Their church was hosting a children's day, and Sarah was a co-facilitator of the event, and the entire family would be there. The Moore children all had little performances, such as speeches and recitations, along with other children who attended the Sunday school service. The festivities lasted the entire afternoon, and then a social mingling event after the performances went into the early evening. It was about 9.30 p.m. when they all got home. Two neighborhood girls, Lena and Ina Stillinger, asked their parents if they could have a sleepover at the Moore's home, and they agreed. But they regret that. The Moores and the two Stillinger girls left the church and made their way back to the Moores' home. When they got back home, the kiddos had some milk and cookies as a snack before bed. Soon after the kids went to bed, so did Josiah and Sarah. And I'm willing to bet none of them woke up ever again. How did you know? Well, they might have woke up, but they didn't stay woke up for long. I don't, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that part. By 7.30 a.m., the Moore house is usually noisy and alive with four kids. There's really no choice. Or it's like a be- battleground. Yes, and you have one. Yes, mine is a battleground at 7.30. Y- yes, also mine. <laughs> yes. Could you imagine having four without cell phones or tablets to keep them preoccupied? I don't want to imagine that at no. all. They just get some fucking beads on a string. And it's like, here you go. Here's your toy. Wait, with the, the bike here wheel you and go, stick. Here you go, Gertrude. Here's your advocus. 
I would probably try to tear all the beads off of it. Adeline Grace would. <laughs> I would definitely be doing that. She would, yes. She would tear the beads off and the string and make something else with it. That was completely out of... Is this a child's toy or a sex toy? Who knows? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Mom, look, I made anal beads. Look at the ripcord. It's an asicus. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you for that. I didn't even think of that. Damn it. And don't you dare any of you steal that. I'm unwell. <laughs> How many beats can you fit in your butt? <laughs> Learn to count. With with the aspicus. I like I liked my version better where he took the B out of it completely. Mm-hmm. Oh God. <laughs> Fuck. But this morning, the morning of June tenth, the house was quiet. The curtains were still drawn and no one had come or gone in their morning routines. Mary Peckham, one of the Moore's neighbors, noticed. She could hear the family's horses neighing. She went over and knocked on the front door to see what was going on. See, you do need a nosy neighbor. And, you like, you need one. And if you find yourself living next to me, I got you. I'm nosy. I am going to learn your routines. I'm going to be like, oh, what happened? You're not going to believe how they found her. <laughs> I Ten aspicuses shoved I- up her ass. I will notice the subtle changes. My old neighbors, they are it's like an older couple that had like a bunch of other like rental properties. Yeah. Um, they had like custody of their granddaughter. Yeah. For reasons. And uh, she was like a troubled child and would sneak out of the house all the time. But and then and then their cars, they had two of like the old lady Cadillacs, a red and like a champagne gold one. Ooh. And uh, they were matching. They were so cute. Um, maybe they, like, oh, we don't have matching Cadillacs because we don't make enough money, we don't get paid for doing this show. You need to start selling the fucking semen and blood. Then I want a matching Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how about a Patreon Salem, one day? Stop <laughs> digging your claws into me when I slight your daddy, it's not funny. Yeah, thank you for defending me. At least somebody around here does. So, their cars like stay like they didn't move. For like weeks. And I'm like, oh my God, she killed him. Oh my God. Because they, they, they did not, I did not see them come and go. He did not mow the lawn, which he does. And I was like, oh my God, mama. I think our neighbors are dead. <laughs> but they weren't. They're just on vacation. You know, a normal thing a normal family does. But Sam's brain, because it's been inundated with fucking true crime, just immediately jumps to murder. I've been a crime junkie since 1996. Okay. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You're, it's it's like cancer. It's just you're riddled with true crime. And one day I'll be right, and I'm be like, ha, fuckers. Well, even a blind squirrel finds a nut on occasion. My dad tells me that all the time. <laughs> so Mary calls up Josiah's brother Ross. And tells him to go over to the house and check on everyone. Ross got to the home around 8 a.m. and let himself in through the front door. He looks in the downstairs bedroom and 
that's when the horror begins. The horror! The horror! Uh, he found two blood-soaked sheets covering the two dead bodies of the Stillinger girls. Ross wasted no time and called the police and told them something terrible has happened. Marshal Henry Horton, Marshal is not his first name, that's his rank, <clears throat> got, to the got to the home about 30 minutes later, so it's about like 8.30 at this point now, and went through the home. There was a dead body in every single bed in the home, along with a blood-covered axe still in the room where the two Stillinger girls' bodies were. They were last. Po yes, I think so. They were last. I think that's weird. I've done so much research, I don't know. It's, I, I've, I've fallen down many of your rabbit holes. I wonder what then. the killer did after he got done butchering eight people. Well, I'm going to tell you, but not yet. Was okay. It, was it playing with an ass kiss? No. I gotta try this thing out. <laughs> uh oh, it got stuck. What am I gonna tell the doctors? It's fresh from Europe. Very European. Uh, I slipped and fell on this as I was murdering <laughs> a family. Word quickly traveled around town of the murders. Officers and Dr. F.S. Wilson inspected the crime scene and examined the bodies. Dr. Wilson was able to determine that the murders happened between midnight and 5 a.m. The axe hit each of the victims between 20 and 30 times. The bodies, what was left of them, were mangled and bloody. To say the least. I'm willing to bet they kind of look like hamburger meat. Probably. Yeah. 20 to 30 axe blows. All to like the same general area. Yeah. That's that's Lizzie Borden levels. Mm-hmm. Oof. Spooky. Which we will get to one day. Yes. The blade of the axe struck Josiah and the blunt end of the axe is what the rest of the household got. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So... They basically got fucking sledgehammered to death. Yeah. <laughs> like except Daddy Moore. That's yikes. really dirty. <laughs> I, 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 I got nothing. I got nothing. Don't forget to call him Daddy. I don't. I don't fucking know. Possibly. So the fact that Josiah was the only one that got the sharp end. Possibly hinted that he was the intended victim. Seven of the eight victims died in their sleep, which somehow makes it slightly better that they didn't see it coming. But Lena Stillinger may have been awake when the killer got to her. She had a possible defensive wound on her arm and a blood stain on her knee, and she was found lengthwise across her bed with her gown raised up. Oh, shit. So... I'm wondering if the killer, because I've chopped wood with an axe before. If that axe gets stuck, it takes a lot of effort to pull it back out. I wonder if he just went, like, after the first kill. Fuck this. He's like, fuck it, I'm just going to smash them all. I would be nervous that I would smack my head with the axe. Oh, yeah, I mean, and then I'm, it's a highly I'm, then I'm likely dead. possibility. Axes are <clears throat> super fucking dangerous. And yet, I still want to go axe throwing and mix it with alcohol. Mm. Seems like a great idea. Well, there's a jackaxe place in North Myrtle. Mm, I, yes. I know. I kind of want to go do it. We, we can do that one time. Cool. 
do y'all really want to go take me somewhere where there's sharp objects you, and alcohol? I injure myself sober. <laughs> that's that's a very valid point. <laughs> yeah, I can't walk and sip out of it like an open cup. I have to have a straw if I'm walking. Can't do it. You know what? That's a terrible idea for both of you. <laughs> you know. Now, I'll get you foam axes and we'll throw them out back. That's no fun. Well... I'd rather you guys keep your appendages. That's why I don't play like. I don't play dark. Not my appendages. It's people behind me that's gonna have the the issue. Mm. All I can imagine is like doing that if it was like the old school axes, the head coming off of it, and like, bing, in the back of somebody's head, and they're like in the middle of a conversation. Like a murderous Rude Goldberg machine. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this. Well, let, maybe we need more proof. So maybe. let's uh, let's get back into <laughs> maybe that's not a good idea for us to do. How these people looked when they found them. So none of the bodies were decapitated. None of them were dismembered. They were disfigured, but not dismembered. No shit, you don't say. I do say, and none of them were sexually assaulted. Well, that's a relief. Yes, I got. I was worried for about even with all those aspicuses around. I can't stand you. (laughs) (laughs) They all died from brute force trauma to the skull. No shocker there. Uh, In Josiah and Sarah's room, the ceiling showed upswing gouges. It was later determined that it was that the killer was left-handed. So when he swung up, it hit the ceiling. Jesus Christ. So he's either like on the bed above them or he is one tall motherfucker. Well, if he's hitting the ceiling, it would be the opposite way of the axe. So it's when he's on the upswing, he's hitting the ceiling, not the downswing. Yeah. yeah because that's, because remember, he the used the blunt end of the axe. So he's on everybody but Josiah. Yeah. But still, that, that, he's tall. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking he was standing on the bed, like jumping. Possibly. Up. Well, I don't know. They didn't find any footprints and stuff. Well, this is no, also in 1912, so maybe he was a respectful killer and took his shoes off. That would be so fucked up. <laughs> if you like w- woke up and somebody's standing in your bed, and they just started doing like some crazy jumping. They're like, "Do you want to play a game?" Boo! <laughs> just with the axe. He rummaged through the drawers and found pieces of clothing to cover some random surfaces in the home, including mirrors and glass panels on the doors. The killer took the house keys and left and locked up on his way out. But the street... Well, at least he's respectable. He locked it, He locked the house up before he left. Yeah, you don't want any riffraff coming in. <laughs> but That's his job. Yeah, he and he did it. So he's Ooh. like, I got this. We're good here. I'm out. Don't go in there. It's messy. It's a little messy. It's a little messy. I made a little bit of a mess. At least, you know, after killing all those people, he had to you know, raid the fridge, though. Get, get, he had to get those yeah. carbs back up. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, he burned a lot I mean, of energy. Yeah, swinging an axe like that. Yeah. But the strangest thing of all was that... In the room where the Stillinger girls were was a four-pound slab of bacon. Oh, my God. 
It was between two to four pounds. I saw two, and then I saw some four. So it's. I would say between two. To so four. you're saying nobody it cooked? It just said slab of bacon, Probably so I'm gonna not. go with no. So you're telling us that no one was there to save their bacon? Oh, my. he 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 brought home the bacon. Brought home the bacon. That, that, that's good. It it reminds me of that scene from uh, The Godfather where they put the horse's head in the bed. That'd be so sick if this serial killer had like a sense of humor and like really did do that. I wonder if it was over. A, I wonder if it was over like a hog dispute or something. I didn't find anything. Because that would be like, um, that would be like a message sent. Correct. Like clearly there was a purpose for that. Right. You don't just like walk around. You don't just have like a four, two to four pound slab of bacon in your fridge. I Are wish we did. in 1912? No. No. Right? That sounded really dumb, but I, I really didn't know. No, I don't believe they did. I know they had, like, ice chest, but... They had, like, ice boxes. It. Isn't that what they used to call it? The uh -huh. ice box? Yeah. It was either frozen or not. There was no in-between. No. Most all meat was salted and gross back then. I feel like that was a really dumb question, but I, I really I didn't know. I have no idea when fridges were invented. It's okay. We'll forgive you. Thank you. That afternoon that the bodies were found, a crowd had formed outside of the Moore house. Ooh. Right? Dr. Wilson came out and addressed the crowd, quote, don't go in there. You'll regret it until the last day of your life. End quote. But despite Dr. Wilson's warning, some residents of Basilica's curiosity grew to be too much, and they went into the Moore house, instantly contaminating the crime scene. Well, you know Yay! what they say, curiosity killed eight people. Satisfaction did not bring them back. No. Did not. Um, the forensic science was already basically non-existent. So this made trying to figure out who did it that much harder with people trampling in and out just to be nosy. And that's where nosiness gets you. Fucks up a murder scene. Mm. But I saw it. <laughs> After the fact. Still worth it. I was going to go down to Georgetown and see if I can find something, but I ended up getting drunk. So there's that. That's probably for the best. <laughs> I still wanted to go. Oh. Supposedly, one of the residents took a piece of Josiah's skull as a keepsake. Haunted mementos. Personally, he should have been looked at, but nah, it's just me. They get to have He's, somebody's skull fract like fractal. And we're just going to like, oh, that's a rumor. Oh. Yeah, but if it was the killer, why not take it when you're there? The thrill. I don't know. I mean, probably the killer was at that crime scene that day. For sure. They always return to the scene of the crime. Sometimes they take the scene of the crime home with them. <laughs> hmm? So, you know, when you Keep have it. a murder house. Oh. You, you know, where you stuff some bodies under your floorboards. Are you foreshadowing right now? I am foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you going with this? These murders were so brutal that they took the sinking of the Titanic off the front page of the local newspapers. Shit. Fact, there wasn't much else going on at that moment. No, they were. It, this was like a, almost a two, 
three months after the Titanic. April, May. Yeah, almost two months after the Titanic sank. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, that's right. <laughs> nice callback. Thanks. <clears throat> the funerals for the Moors and the Stillinger girls were held on June 12, 1912. The procession was 50 carriages long. National Guardsmen blocked the streets as a hearse moved toward the firehouse where the victims laid. They were laid to rest in the Basilica Cemetery. The police had very few leads. They searched Villisca and the surrounding towns and interviewed some of the locals, but the killer had about a three to four hour head start on them, and police believed that the killer had definitely left town already. Most definitely. I don't, I don't know. know. The best place to hide is in plain sight. It was the nosy neighbor. That'd, that'd be it's too, always a, no, it's not. That'd I'm be not. too easy to figure out. Like, it's who left. Yeah. I'm sure they want to pin it on some drifter or some shit, like a Carl Panzeran type. That's like riding the rails, hopping in and out of town and butchering people along the way. But I'd say this is. The bacon is what sells it that this was a dispute over an animal to me. But there was nothing in, not even like a, an air of rumor, a whisper, nothing. The rumor mill was not churning out a livestock issue. I don't know then. Because the, the Moors had horses, but they didn't mention any other livestock. I don't know. Then. I don't know. Several suspects have popped up over the years, and some have confessed to the murders, but obviously nothing has panned out yet. But there are some likely suspects that have popped up, and I'm going to tell you about them. A traveling English minister by the name of Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly came to Villisca for the first time on the morning of June 9th to attend the Sunday school service led by Sarah Moore. He saw Lena Stillinger's performance at the church. He and many had seen Reverend Kelly watching the Moors at the church and around town while he was there. He left the next morning at about 5 a.m. on the number five train, leaving the station headed westbound. Supposedly, he told some of the passengers on the train that there were eight dead bodies slash souls, depending on the source material you read, back in Villisca several hours before the news spread. He even mentioned that they'd been killed in their sleep. Reverend Kelly turned, returned to Villisca 14 days later after fooling the police into thinking that he was a detective from Scotland Yard. He was able to tag along on a tour of the Moore house with a group of real investigators. It wasn't until police discovered that Reverend Kelly was not a real detective and, that, and then he had become a suspect in the case, naturally. Police learned about letters he'd sent. I, I will get to those in a minute. And that he was left-handed and possibly, allegedly, Dropped off bloody clothes to be laundered at the dry cleaners. So. Ask no questions. They're just like, okay, this will be done soon. Well, I'm sure like people dropped off bloody clothes all the time because it's mm. fucking 1912. You know, people are killing their own animals. It's a, I'm sure it was a farming community. Yeah. 
So I'm it was a growing area. It was I'm sure it wasn't. Coming. They didn't have play clothes that they like. I mean, you just have to wash your play clothes. I mean, most of these people probably didn't have more than two or three outfits altogether. What? Uh huh. Yeah, hygiene wasn't at the the top of the list back mm. then. Uh, the aristocrats yeah. probably had more clothes, but like the common folk probably had their work clothes. Is that their weekly bath? Yeah, they had, they take a shares, weekly bath. Everybody yeah. shares the bath water. Yeah, my nanny, I mean, she was born during the Great Depression, but she only had, like, she had a school dress and, like, a church dress and then, like, a couple pairs of play clothes. It's like me. I wear the same, you know, the same uniform every day at work, and then, you know, I'd come home and wear the same three outfits on my days off. I also wear, well, I have, like, five pairs of black leggings, all with pockets now, and I, I wear the same I don't Shit. want to talk about my clothing situation. Yeah, no, we don't want to talk about. We don't have enough time for that. <laughs> no, I, we got a lot to unpack with that. <laughs> we'll save that for next an episode time, where we don't time. have a lot of research. So, while Reverend Kelly was a teenager, he struggled with severe mental illness and had a history of sexual deviance. He'd suffered a mental breakdown as a kid when he'd come to the U.S. with his wife in 1904. He regularly visited churches all over the state of Iowa, North Dakota, Minnesota, and Kansas. He'd been assigned to several small communities north of Villisca, where he developed a reputation for odd behavior. He'd been convicted of sending obscene material in the mail. It's like the original dick pic. He drew it. Drew a dick. Just tra- <laughs> I've traced my cock for you. Oh my god. That's exactly what he did. I don't know. But that's well, what I No, they had photography back then. You had to stand stand still while look at the birdie while I take this photo. <laughs> to develop it. <laughs> yeah. I could not. I had, uh it took three days to get this cock photo developed. I hope you appreciate it. <laughs> um he also had spent time in a mental hospital. But it wasn't until 1917 that a grand jury indicted Reverend Kelly for the murder of Lena Stillinger. August 1917, Reverend Kelly confessed to the murder, saying, God whispered in his ear, suffer the children to come unto me. The real son of Sam situation on this one. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he'd be a fun one to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Reverend Kelly ended up recanting his confession, and his case went to trial on September 26th. The jury deadlocked 11 to 1 for an acquittal. A second jury was impaneled, but ended up acquitting Reverend Kelly once again. Fun fact, another one. Um, The axe that was used during Reverend Kelly's trial isn't even the actual murder weapon. The sheriff actually left it in a Masonic lodge, and he had to go out and and buy one. I bet that had nothing to do with the dude getting acquitted. I'm like... Yeah, it couldn't be. It's it's not like, well, we don't actually have the murder weapon. We, We misplaced it. We don't actually have it. Whatever who does have it. No, they have it now. Yeah, it's in the they, museum. Yeah, they found it. But uh, for the actual trial, they did not have the yeah, real murder no, weapon. How somebody fucked up. Big time. To this day, he's been the only one tried for any of the Velisca axe murders. Another suspect was a man by the name of Henry Lee Moore. He was not kin to the murdered Moores. 
But he was a supposed serial killer who murdered his mother and grandmother with an axe in a fashion that was that bore striking similarities to the Moore murders just months later. Henry said that he murdered his mother and grandmother to gain the deed to the family home in Missouri. Around the time that Henry became a suspect, other axe murders were popping up all over the country. An office assigned to the Moore case became convinced that Henry was the man who killed the Moors in Villisca <clears throat> and a string of other attacks in Colorado, Kansas, and Illinois. But there was one problem. There was little to no evidence that tied Henry to the Villisca murders, so it ended up being dismissed. Two years after the murders, police turned their attention to an Illinois resident and serial killer, William Mansfield. He murdered his wife, daughter, and in-laws in a way that was also very similar to the Velisca murders. Ooh, family annihilator. <clears throat> yeah, he'd be maybe he'd be fun to do. Later, police linked him to other axe murders that also happened in Colorado and Kansas, and he was even a suspect in the Axeman of Norland's case. Ooh, Ooh. callback. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I am. It's crazy, like how many of these are inter interlinking for us. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as synchronicities. Yeah. Zero killer playgroup. Mm, it's maybe. a boys club. So, but an eyewitness placed William boarding a train in, Col- in Clorinda, Iowa, which is 20 minutes outside of Villisca. Mm. Just a little tidbit, a little food for thought, a little snack. So he was caught boarding a train 20 minutes away, but they didn't have enough evidence to pin it on him? Nope. I mean, there's really no evidence in the case at all for anything. Yeah, it's like they're just mass speculating this entire Mm -hmm. thing. I mean, that's pretty much what it was until forensic science and DNA and all that. Unless you were caught, like, fucking red-handed. Literally, you could get away with actual murder until DNA came around. The next suspect up is a Villisca local named Frank Jones. He was a businessman with political weight throughout the town. Several years before the murders, Josiah Moore had been an employee of Frank's, but Josiah had left to start his own business. But Josiah ended up taking a large chunk of Frank's business when he left. So Frank and Josiah hated each other, according to Villisca residents. But it was a stretch that Frank could progress to murder. There was also a rumor going around that Josiah had an uh, entanglement with Frank's daughter-in-law. Ooh, I know what that word means. Ooh, I think we all do. That just seems like cheating with an extra bunch of steps. (laughs) 110 years later, the Moore home is still there, though it's now a tourist spot. For sp- the spooky tourists, it's all good. Murder houses are now. Yeah, you just want to be. They you be? just want to be a ghost and be left the fuck alone. And you have a bunch of assholes with recording devices going. Who are you? Are you the family? Are you the killer? <laughs> well, so before the you know all the modernization, the home actually remains how it was back in 1912 you know there's no electricity 
the curtains are permanently drawn <clears throat> and the doors and windows are boarded up when they don't have tours. Inside the home, you'll find the same furniture and beds that the Moore family and the Stillinger girls were murdered in. The thing I find the most interesting, though, is that the murderer covered up all the mirrors in the house. Yeah. Um, so as he moved from room to room, he covered every mirror. Yeah. So very weird. Mm -hmm. Odd behavior. Very odd behavior. <clears throat> On June 10th, 2004, Fourth Wall Films released a documentary called Velisca Living with a Mystery that premiered in Des Moines. Filmmakers Kelly and Tammy Rundle combined period photographs, computer animation, original art, and limited reenactments and in interviews with historians, eyewitnesses, town residents, and forensic experts to shed some light on the then 92-year-old murder and reveal the face of a new suspect, which I never, I couldn't find the, the movie and I couldn't find who the suspect was. Mm. <clears throat> so that's just a little cliffhanger until I can find the movie. I don't know, documentary, whatever. The movie features historian Dr. Edgar Epperly. He is considered to have the foremost authority on the Velisca murders. The documentary took 10 years to make, and it explores the possibility that the Velisca murders and others that happened in Illinois, Colorado, and Kansas are the works of one of America's first serial killers. It's unlikely that the Velisca axe murders will ever be solved at this point. Been too long. Yeah. Been too long with no evidence. And literally everybody's dead. What's, what's crazy is... It seems like serial killers back then traveled a lot more. Like like I mentioned earlier, Carl Panzeram, those types of guys, they would just travel from town to town and kill indiscriminately and move on to the next town. Where in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you had guys just killing in their own backyard. Mm-hmm. Up, like, Until you had Israel Keys, who went on a world tour. He did go on a world tour. <laughs> the looks I just got. Thank God so looks can't kill. They were murderous. Mm. They were. We were going to have to do an episode on you, Eric. Oh, God, no. It'd be terrible. <laughs> be All right, guys. Well, that is the Velisca Axe Murders. Very entertaining. Yay. Um, Thank you guys again. For coming along with summer on a journey with us for Summer of Slaughter 2. Yay. Christian, do Person. your thing. <laughs> I just want to thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Keep those downloads coming, keep those likes coming. Make sure you guys are caught up because things are about to get real fucking wild here soon. Uh, we got a lot of really fun guys to go through, and then we'll be into spooky season. Well, let's not jump the gun just yet. <laughs> Quit clowning around and drop the socials. I'm sorry. Make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> I'll see what you did there. Thank you. TikTok. Uh, make sure you guys are downloading, liking the show. Uh, make sure your auto downloads are on. And if you do want to you know, make our day, please leave us a review of what you guys thought of the episode and anything that you would want us to cover. Mm -hmm. We'd appreciate it. Yes, review the show. 
please. Be like uh, Amazon. Make sure your auto downloads are on. Download the show. If you don't download the show, that's how we know you like certain content. Mm-hmm. So that's how we know what content to bring you. Mm-hmm. Uh, until next week, stay creepy. Bye.